Hello, everybody, and welcome to Roar Lions Roar. Yes, that's right. I nailed it the first time, even though this is the first time I haven't had to say Roar Lions Radio. This is your host tonight, Nick Pollock, and I am joined by finally, after six long years of waiting to finally get on the podcast, Mr. Craig Fritz. How are you? We're doing very well. I think the only other podcast I was on was the Minnesota Preview in 2016. (laughs) <laughs> we all know how that worked out. So Irv Charles went 80 yards for a touchdown. The rest is history. So let's keep that juju going. So that fact combined with the fact that preseason 2016 was also the last time that Penn State was not ranked in the AP poll seems like good things are ahead for the Nittany Lions this season. <laughs> well, this is why I'm here. But, um, you know, I'm not really surprised that they're unranked seven and six with a deplorable o-line you have questions at running back your best uh wide receiver got drafted in the first round um people are down on clifford it's not to me it's not surprising at all that they're outside the top 25 um they're gonna have to make a show of it to get back in that so and again preseason polls are for conversation so everybody's talking about it like oh wow penn state's not in the top 25 so they're just gonna have to earn their way back in yeah, I think they're. I think the spot they're in makes total sense, right? They're in that twenty-six to thirty range. I believe they're technically twenty-ninth if it, the voting went out that far. Like that's the exact spot that you expect to see teams that everyone's like, "Wow, they're really talented," but I have a lot of question marks. So yeah, like it, it's an easy like, "Oh yeah, I'll pop them up to twenty-five." They win week one. Like it's an easy starting place for a team like Penn State. I agree. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, I mean, like we said, it's. First time since preseason 2016, they haven't been in the top 25, and that was a pretty darn good year and kicked off a, a good series of years for James Franklin and Penn State, which you know makes sense because a lot of this Penn State team, it, it is kind of a refresh. You know, I know I know Sean Clifford is back again, but you know this is the first time in a while that we've had the same offense coordinator. There's a lot of new pieces moving. Like it's it's a good kind of soft reset on kind of where Penn state is at in general. And I think a really good representation of that reset is the position group we're going to talk about tonight. And that's the linebackers. Um, It's a bit of a different, you know, it's a really similar situation, but different in a lot of ways too, because, you know, we have that kind of the kid that we think we're pretty sure is a stud in terms of we look at Curtis Jacobs, but we also have a lot of questions, um, especially at middle linebacker. Um, but before we get too deep into any certain thing, just give me kind of your overview, like your eagle eye view of the linebacker room at Penn State right now. So, you know, you go into this offseason and then you lose Brooks, you lose Smith, um, you lose Lucetta, and you, you look at it and you say, oh, wow, you know, recruiting has been nice the last two years, um, but the guys on the roster are there's, there's not a, there's not a whole lot of bodies. So you're in, you, you know, that they wanted someone in the portal that was seemed to be a priority, just like defensive end and guard. And it didn't come to fruition. So now you're left with the guys you already had on the roster. So we know Jacobs is a stud. We think he's going to continue to elevate his game, continue to excel. He's just a freak athlete. I don't want to say he's in the mold of Micah Parsons, but he knows the game. He's, um, he's very well-rounded and they're going to lean on him as the go-to guy. And then you have Jonathan Sutherland. He moved from safety. Um, he was kind of like the hybrid backer last year. He's linebacker full-time. And then outside of that, you have a lot of question marks. And so let's dig into it. But 
I mean, that's why we're talking about linebackers. There are so many things that are going to, this is really a mixed bag this year. You don't know what to expect. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm a lot of the guys you named, obviously those are going to be kind of the key names to watch for just a couple other notes here. Um, freshman Ken Talley, uh, was slated to at least start his Penn state career at linebacker. Uh, has entered the portal, which was a bit of a surprise, uh, given that he was one of the vocal leaders of this most recent recruiting class. But, you know, it is what it is in the portal era. Yeah. Kids yeah. don't feel like they fit where they are, and that's totally fine. Go find somewhere better. That's cool. Um, the other name, you know, Charlie Catcher. We know he was in a sling during the spring game, but we haven't really heard anything else since then. I, I Common sense, I guess, would dictate that he's probably still hurt. And, you know, that given how many injuries he's dealt with over the course of his career, probably a safe bet. Um, but, you know, he could end up factoring in somewhere along the depth chart this season. We've kind of seen him move all over. So I, I hesitate to kind of give a prediction as to where he would play exactly. Um, but, you know, that's just a couple other names to watch. Um yeah, so I I think like you said, it's it's an interesting place that the linebacking core is in right now because you have the that obvious talent, but you also have a lot of questions. And those those question marks come with a lot of talent themselves. Like Tyler Elsden and Kobe King, the two guys fighting for the middle linebacker job, we know that they are talented. The question is one do they have what it takes to be in the middle of a Big Ten defense right now? But two, also, how much does it really take? You know, because we didn't have high expectations of Ellis Brooks going into last right. year. Like, we, right. he was fine. I think we all thought he was fine. Um, and he really stepped up, not by using necessarily any outstanding physical tools. Like, he's a, obviously, he's a Big Ten linebacker. Like, he's a great athlete, much better athlete than you or I. But, you know, compared to the other guys on the field on his side and the other side, like, it's not like he was a standout um, athlete, but he got by on just playing intelligently and understanding where he needed to be. Um, so the question is, you know, how long does it take in a progression of a college athlete to kind of get to the point that he was at? Um, and I think the other thing I just I wanted to kind of focus on is I'm interested to see what the use of the Sam linebacker actually looks like with Manny Diaz, because we saw under Brent Pry, um, the Sam linebacker last year, that was Curtis Jacobs. That was the most subbed out spot on this defense. Right. They would frequently take, and that's not uncommon for any defense, right? That's the position you take off in order to bring on a nickel corner or something, an extra safety, whatever it is. Um, but I'm curious to see if Manny Diaz has a similar philosophy because, you know, they've said that, there is that Sam position, but it's kind of a hybrid between a, a typical Sam linebacker. And then I think they're calling it like the striker. It was their version of the star or hybrid, whatever you want to call the hero, it. The star. Yeah. 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 Whatever you want to call it, which I mean, if you're going to pick a guy to do that, probably a good, good choice to have it be a safety who understands the defense probably more than anyone there, considering how long he's been there in Jonathan Sutherland. So excited to see what he can do. Um, I'm I'm curious. I, I think I know the answer, but in your mind, what is the biggest question mark when it comes to this unit? Well, it's it's definitely the depth. I mean, you have the top line guys, right? And whether the Mike ends up being uh, um, King or Eldson, you have Jacobs and you have Sutherland. And in my mind, the thing that's going to force Manny Diaz's hand is he has an elite secondary. And what we talked, you guys talked on the pod yesterday. He has an extremely deep defensive line. Um, he, I think they're going to be quick to sub out to the to just two backers, you know, 
very consistently, whether that's a box safety, whether that's a nickel corner, um, whatever that extra player is, because there just is not the depth at the linebacker position um, to carry three backers on first, second, third down. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Sutherland, I think, has been there for a long time. He's a captain. He's well-respected. He also is a guy that I believe is suited for a very specific role. So if you think back to a guy like Koa Farmer, and I'm not saying that they're the same athlete and the same player, but the Koa succeeded in places where he was given, do this job, definitely do it extremely well, make plays. And I feel like Jonathan Sutherland is that type of player where if he is asked to do everything, he may struggle. Where is he asked to do a specific job? Is he asked to blitz? Is he asked to do whatever it may be? I think he can excel there with, I don't want to say limited reps, but um, it's a, it's a position they're going to have to be very careful with, uh, with subbing out. And, you know, like you said, Pry was very aggressive with taking that backer off, especially with all the passing that we face now in college football. Mm -hmm. I think that Diaz is going to have to do similar things um, with the linebacker core. Yeah, I don't, and I don't even think it's unfair to say limited reps when it comes to Sutherland because, you know, if if he was a guy that was going to be a true difference maker on the defense, like, he's had the opportunities to do that, right? Like, he's been on the Absolutely. field a lot over the last few years. So I I, I feel like he's a pretty... I, I mean, I guess we don't know exactly what he looks like as a linebacker, but overall, he's a fairly known commodity. Um, I really like the Koa Farmer um, kind of connection there. I... And as you were saying that, I was kind of thinking in my head, I'm like, I, I, I totally agree with that. And I'm, I'm wondering kind of what is, what is Jonathan Sutherland's uh, niche? Like, what is that thing that he is better equipped to do than other players on the defense? And I think that's an interesting, I mean, I, I would assume playing the run. But again, who knows? You know, he's, he's not a huge guy. Yeah. Um, I feel like he has... Like, look at his strengths. He's been a special teams captain, right? So he has very aggressive, straight line speed. Mm. Does he have the instincts to cut down the angle? There's been questions about that, you know, watching his game film from uh, last year and the year before. Um, can you give him a role where it's playing the run, it's blitzing, it's, you know, picking up the tight end and pass coverage? I honestly don't know. I think the other thing that... Um the other kind of factor that may keep him on the sideline more than I'm sure he would want to be um, to your point about depth right now, his backup is former walk on Dom DeLuca. Now I'm not saying that DeLuca can't play. I, I'm not implying that I haven't, I don't think I've seen DeLuca play, so I can't really even say that, but I would think that the staff would rather not be in a position where they have to play a walk on because it's not like they lack names at the linebacker sure. like they have a ton of highly rated recruits and a ton of people that can play the linebacker position so you know what deluca has clearly earned this spot but how comfortable are you having him out there against ohio state in the third quarter for example like is that a situation you really want to be in so i i would imagine they kind of protect sutherland's reps a little bit just for the sake of staying healthy at the same time um for me, I, I I do have big questions about the depth, but for me, I think my biggest question is just who's going to play Mike. <laughs> I, sure. I think Tyler Elsden and Kobe King um, both have a ton of talent and I think they're pretty 
different players, honestly, though, in the end. Like, Elsden seems to be much more of a... Um, much more of... I, I, I don't want to say Mike Hall because he's not Mike Hall. But, you know, Mike Hall's style of play. Like, Mike Hall was not the guy that was going to just stand in the middle of the field and wait for the play to come to him. Like he was constantly moving downhill at every single moment. Um, Just a heat seeking missile. One of my absolute favorite players to watch at Penn state. If I could pick one player to add to this Penn state team this year, I think it'd be Michael. Um, I know you've, I know you've really wanted to talk to him about him for a while. (laughs) I mean, you can just go back to last year. We were just talking about Ellis Brooks. If you can get a player at the mic that is not necessarily the most athletic athletically gifted but is in the right position to make the play or funnel the play to the players you know funnel the tackle to curtis jacobs or any of the ridiculous uh players they have in the secondary Mm -hmm. that's something that you're going to need so yeah totally and and that's what michael yeah (laughs) i do love uh, michael though to me i i think kobe king is the one that sounds more it his style of play more matches what Ellis Brooks brings or brought to the table and brings still playing. Um, to me, he Kobe King, you know, for a lot of reasons fits that mold a bit more. He, we know he's not the most athletic dude out there, but he's, you know, he's a bowling ball. He knows how mm-hmm. to, he knows how to read defenses and he comes from, you know, a really highly talented high school comes from cast tech in Detroit. That is a big time high school, big, big time. time environment. And if you can't play, you're not going to play at cast tech like that. The fact that he was their starting middle linebacker, I believe, for three years, um, that's a big deal. Like that, you, it takes a lot of talent and a lot of smarts to be able to fill that role. Um, so clearly, he has what it takes to be a good middle linebacker. Um, and honestly, I, I don't think there's a wrong answer between these two. And first, I we're gonna see both. Like it, it's yeah, this absolutely. is not gonna this is not gonna be a situation where we just see one of them and the other one is like a special teamer only. They're both going to play a lot. And it, maybe it's even like situational. Like maybe when we're playing a team like Wisconsin, although we don't play Wisconsin this year, um, but maybe when we're playing a more a run heavy team, maybe Elsden gets more snaps because he's probably going to be the more aggressive run stopper. And maybe sure. when we're playing a team like Ohio State or if it's an Ohio State drive where we know they're going to throw the ball, we see more Kobe King because we know he can be more of a field general. Um, so it's not necessarily a question mark in uh, like, I'm scared, although I I would much rather there be a definitive answer at the Mike linebacker position. But um, I think that's, that's for me, that's one of the more fascinating things um, happening with this Penn State team. I think the other, the other thing I wanted to touch on before we talk about our wonderful sponsor, um, I just want to know how confident you feel in a guy like Jamari Budden coming in behind Curtis Jacobs at the will linebacker position. He's a guy who, you know, we've, and and not even just him specifically, but any of these young, any of these youngsters that we see at linebacker youngsters, I sound so old when I say that. Um, Uh, Whippersnappers. Any of these kids that we see at linebacker, like we've seen Penn state um, just continually find the next dude at linebacker. Where is kind of your, um, just general comfort at with their ability to do that, knowing that Brent Pry isn't here anymore. Like their that position coach is gone. I'm curious if you feel as confident in them overall as you did previously. That's a really good question. Um, I hadn't really thought about it. You you assume that you know Pry had this mold of the player he was looking for, and these guys are on the roster, right? So mm-hmm. you assume that they're going to be able to 
handle the things that they'll need to handle. But that's the beauty of college football, right? It's not like the pros where you have a guy that signed for seven years. He's going to be your middle linebacker. You know, that's the, the case. You are always replacing studs and it just hit Penn state an unfortunate situation to lose basically three starters and then have a guy like Charlie catcher be a question mark of his availability. And so like Jamari Budden's going to have to play it's, Curtis Jacobs can't play every snap of every game. It's mm-hmm. not possible. He's going to have to play. Obviously, Elson and King are going to have to play. Who are the next guys up? Um, and then you get into, can the true freshmen contribute in a meaningful way and not burn their red shirts? Like, is a guy like Abdul Carter um, have the ability to step in and take some reps away? Mm-hmm. I, you know, we always, I, I tend to think that a guy like that will play when there's a blowout. Um, in the early in the early season or you know some game that gets out of hand later in the year um, but it's going to be really interesting especially you're, you're going to have injuries too that's it, it, just a fact of college football or football in general it, it so you're going to have to have these guys try baptism by fire and you know god forbid we're talking about 2016 earlier we get into a situation where we were in michigan 2016 and you lose boom 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 Linebacker out, linebacker out, linebacker ejected. Um, poor, linebacker poor Cam tears Brown. a knee. Yeah, oh, God. Um, <laughs> this is the position that cannot absorb that um, on this team right now. So um, I have a, they are going, there's no choice but to have these guys ready to play. Um, so Jamari's going to have to play a lot of football. Kalen King, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Kalen King's going to have to play a lot of football. Um, you know, I don't think uh, Carter and Wiley are going to play a lot of football, but they're, probably going to hear their, their numbers called um, early in the season at very least, you know, to get their feet wet. Totally. So if you're watching us on YouTube right now, you might notice the fact that both Craig and I are wearing two beautiful now, unfortunately defunct Roar Lions Roar t-shirts. Um, and you know, it's unfortunate that we've had to close our merchandise stores doors for at least the time being, but lucky for you, there is a wonderful new line of Penn State apparel out there that you can purchase today. And that's from our friends over at Homefield, um, our new sponsor of this podcast. Um, if you're listening to this now, yes. <laughs> you did you did unfortunately miss big new saturday for their penn state line um in which if you didn't see penn state did become the new leader in uh they they have a competition every time they do a big new saturday release uh where this it's a competition between the schools see who can buy the most uh, merchandise on that first day and penn state overtook florida and is now the all-time leader of the big new scoreboard could maybe be in trouble this weekend with Ohio State. I kind of doubt it, but you know they're talking a big game, so who knows? Um, if of course there's always the nice. If if you're an Ohio State fan, I'm sure you have the extra bonus of wanting to beat Penn State in yet another thing. Um, so maybe that'll be a little extra motivation for them. But if you have not already purchased something from Homefield, honestly, do yourself the favor of you know improving your wardrobe. This is the I so I. This is when I get this order, this will be my first uh, shipment from them. Um, and I've said on the podcast before, it wasn't because I didn't want to have home field stuff before. It's just that it got to a certain point. Where I was like, you know what? I'm going to hold out. I'm going to wait for the Penn State gear. I feel like that should be the first thing that I get from them. And I'm really excited for my shirts. They look amazing. Uh, Craig, do you have any home field stuff already? I don't have any stuff, but I did place my first order as well. We're waiting a couple hoodies for the wife and I, and I got mm. a t-shirt where, you know, we're going to look fresh for, uh, 2022 in the big run which uh which t-shirt did you go with i got the we are with the lion the navy with the block we are with um 
the Lion Shrine line. So I'm pretty excited yeah. about that. Got the gray PSU hoodie. Um, apparently the quality I think is what separates home field from a lot of other, um, you know, anyone can slap a design on a shirt. We did it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and also but, I think yeah. if, if you're listening to this and you've bought merchandise from us before this, this is what it's going to remind you of. It's, it's a very similar process. Our, our friends that did our merchandise, uh, very similar, uh, just a really personal touch. It's, it's not like they just have a warehouse with a hundred thousand gilded, hundred percent cotton tea sitting, waiting to get slapped a logo on. Like, it's not like that. They're, they're high quality shirts. It's 50% polyester, 50% cotton. So it's not going to, sh- or it might shrink a little bit, but not as much as a cotton shirt would. Um, but it's just, they, they take a lot of time to one, make great shirts. And two, they take a lot of time to make sure that they're designs that you care about. They pour through old yearbooks. They look at, um, any old photos and archives they can find. Like they, they do, they pay a really close attention to find really cool and meaningful stuff. And maybe logos that you haven't seen in 50, 40, 60 years, like they're making an effort to make it special for you. Um, like I, so I got the, um, the wrestling shirt with the little Nittany lion, yes. um, like cartoon on it. And I, so I didn't know that that was like uh, that version of the line, like had been used before we were talking in, uh, with some other Penn state friends before. And somebody said that their dad had a poster with all, with the little Nittany lion playing all those different sports. And I was like that, first of all, find me that poster. Cause that sounds amazing. But like, that's the kind of stuff that you're not going to get one. You're not going to get it from Penn state itself. Like they're, I love Penn State. Their branding is very boring. They're not going to go out very of their boring. way to like yeah. make a shirt like that. Um, but it it takes a special kind of um, caring to go back and find a design like that to connect to. Um, so if you have never placed an order with Homefield before, you're in luck because if you use the code Roar Lions Roar all one word all caps at checkout, you can get fifteen percent off of your first order. Um, and honestly, that's a great. I saved like forty bucks off of my offer because I ended yeah, up buying huge discount. Yeah, I ended up buying a whole bunch of Penn State stuff for myself, my wife, my mother-in-law, my uh, brother-in-law. And then I bought some Wazoo stuff for myself, too, um, because I am I am also a Washington State fan at heart, thanks to my mom. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an amazing website, awesome people. Um, if you didn't catch the pod where Bill was talking with Connor Hitchcock, their CEO, make sure to go back and find that. He talks a bit about more, more about their process. They also talk about some terrible Penn State, Indiana football games, so that's fun too. Oh. Um, but once again, oh. use the code ROARLINESROAR, all caps to check out 15% off from home field apparel. Buy some Penn State shirts and buy some other stuff. They have a lot of cool stuff from random, random schools that you should definitely check out. But... Let's get back to talking about Penn State linebackers because that's why we're really here. LBU, baby. We were talked, we've talked a lot about Curtis Jacobs already. Rightly so. He's a phenomenal talent. I want to know whether he is closer to what Micah Parsons was. And let's just limit to Penn State, you know, because Micah's sure. ascended to a different stratosphere since he got to the NFL. Is he going to be closer to what Micah Parsons was or closer to what Brandon Smith was? And I'll let you interpret that however you choose. Um, honestly, I think he is a, an extremely well-rounded player who happens to be extremely talented. So I obviously guys like Micah Parsons are a once in a generation talent. But I believe that Jacobs has the game and can impact a game more in the vein of Parsons 
than Brandon Smith, who, you know, he had the knock. He was a freak athlete, huge dude, ran like a missile and lost angles, missed tackles, didn't wrap up. And those type of knocks followed him all the way, you know, into his professional career. And I think Curtis Jacobs has the potential to be the next guy that can go to the next level and be a stud linebacker in the NFL. He has that pedigree and I'm, I'm just excited to watch his development because I think it's going to be phenomenal. Yeah. I think when I think about Curtis Jacobs, I think the most, um, most telling, I guess the world is the most telling kind of highlight or play that he's produced that makes that kind of gives me confidence that he is not just some toolsy athlete that they're hoping can turn into something else. I think the interception against Illinois. Oh my gosh. Um, so good. I don't want to talk about the Illinois game otherwise. It was awful, but, but that was unbelievable. Yeah, like that's just, that was just a very um, a very cerebral play that also required a ton of athletic ability in, in, yeah. in order to be able to pull that off. And you know, when I when I saw that play, I thought Micah Parsons. I was like, that's the kind of play that Micah Parsons one did make, and probably would have made a lot more of if he had um, if the whole 2020 situation hadn't gone down the way that it did. Um, to me, I I think he is. I love everything you said. I think he absolutely in. I not worrying about kind of comparing those three as literal athletes, but comparing the impact that they made on the game. I really like the way you worded that. I totally agree. I think Jacobs definitely has a chance to be more of a game breaker. Like Parsons was like, when I think about Brandon Smith, I I hope he has a absolutely phenomenal NFL career. But to me, he's kind of like the the baseball like a prospect in baseball who's got like 70 grade tools across the board sure or but maybe then like a 40 hit tool like sure he's it's like the kind of profile like if he hits then he's gonna be a like a hall of famer and he doesn't ever really quite hit like it's it's that's what it reminds me of when i would think of brandon smith and um like i said i hope he does hope he does great things but he just never White put it all together at Penn right. State. And it seems like Jacobs has already put it together more than Smith had, which is not a knock on Smith. It's a praise yeah. of Jacobs for sure. I, th- I think it shows that his elevated game. And like I said, just another year. And I'm excited to see what Manny Diaz can do with a player like this. I'm not saying that Brent Pry couldn't. Obviously, Brent Pry has had amazing players um, and will continue to at Virginia Tech. But I'm just excited to see a, a new voice um, in inside in between Jacob's ears and see what he can become this year. Yeah, totally. I mean, if there's one thing that we know about Manny Diaz and have been told will continue to be true about Manny Diaz is that he wants to create chaos. Like he wants to have opposing off opposing quarterbacks heads, just absolutely spinning blitzes from all directions, creative blitzes. And not that Brent pride didn't also do those things, but you know, Brent Pry's primary um, goal at all times was just Ben, don't break, right? Like don't give up the huge play, just keep them in front, make the smart play. And it led to phenomenal results. And I know that Matt and Matt talked about this the other day on the podcast, but it's just a different style. And while Penn State's defense probably will give up a few more points this year, unless both Johnny Dixon and, um, unless all three of Johnny Dixon, Kalen King and Joey Porter Jr. just morph into future uh, first round picks. 
unless that happens, they are probably going to give him more points this year. But it's going to be a probably a much more exciting defense and one that creates a lot more turnovers. And Jacobs is going to be the key to that. Like he is such a good athlete and so smart that Diaz is going to be able to use him in some really, really fun ways. And he's, I mean, he's going to be the linchpin in my opinion. Like he is the key to this defense. I agree. And I think, you know, we weren't talking about a specific role for Sutherland um, earlier as well. And can Manny Diaz unlock him in this chaotic, frenetic defense in a way that is, you know, limiting reps, but also high impact plays and like you said, they probably will give up more points, but creating more turnovers and flipping the field gives our offense an opportunity to score even more points, which obviously they need to do. Um, I'm all in for the the chaos and the 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 crazy plays and the zombie nation moments, call them if, <laughs> if you want, in a stadium that are you know the norm instead of the exception um, for this defense quick aside just because you said zombination plays and i was watching um i had stumbled upon highlights from the auburn game um and i think the single play from last year that i am most upset didn't end up counting was that joey porter jr scoop and score because that that was a quintessential whiteout like explosion moment and it's still going back it's so much fun to watch and i'm so sad that it i mean it was clearly not a football but it was so it was so cool it makes me so sad that we didn't have that i mean i guess we did though like we did have it for a couple for like 30 seconds we thought it was real yeah (laughs) all right last question before we get out of here once and for all well, I guess not once and for all, because I'm going to add a qualifier at the end of the question. But who is going to be the first man up at Mike Linebacker? And is that same player going to be the first man up at Mike Linebacker at the end of the season? It's a really good question. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I think I think Elsden has, I don't want to call it the edge. I think the coaches are in a position where they perhaps trust him. Um so I think he's going to be the one that gets the start in West Lafayette. Um, that's a, it's a tough offense to dissect. Uh, you know, uh, Brome does some crazy things. Mm-hmm. O'Connell can sling it all over the yard. Yes, he can. Um, they lost some significant pieces at wideout, but there are tricks up the sleeve um, of the Boilermakers. And um, I think he's going to be the first one out there. It will be an interesting thing to see if he can hang um, as that game progresses. And then, like you said earlier, a a run down your throat type of offense like Michigan, is that the guy you want, you know, manning the middle and then in against Ohio state and against perhaps Auburn, perhaps Purdue, the teams that throw it around the yard a little bit more. Are you looking for a guy like King in the middle more? So by the end of the season, I, I mean, I honestly could see a 50-50 split throughout the year, depending on their health. Um, just situationally, you have these guys that, you know, the staff knows that they're thin. They're preparing these dudes um, knowing that they're thin. Uh, I just, I think they both have the talent to carry it all season long, but I don't think one is better than the other to say they're going to have like 80% of the playing time versus 20. It's probably going to be more like a 60-40, 55-45, split. Um, situationally uh, as, as the team that, as the opponent calls for. 
Yeah. It's like I, a non-answer, I, really. I mean. No, but it's, I, I agree, though. Like, it, like, we've talked about already, like, they're both going to play. They're both going to play a lot. And they both have different skill sets. Like, they're not, it doesn't make sense for only, it doesn't make sense to choose one and ride them and pretend the other one doesn't exist. That's not sensible. Um, I, I, agree. I think Elsden is going to be the first one out there. Um, it's because just the way you're introducing that. Can you imagine how terrified you would be if Penn State was ranked like number three going into this <laughs> Thursday night opener at, I think it's a night game at West yeah, Lafayette. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> that would be horrifying. Oh my God. I mean, I guess David Bell not being there, I guess makes it a little bit better, but gee, that is I, I I sincerely hope that Penn State never ever ever has to play a road game against Purdue while ranked as a what is it They're, they've beaten like five they've beaten the number two team what like five times as an unranked team I think it is oh my gosh I mean just stymied Ohio State three years ago <laughs> last year against Iowa just you just these plays and you're like they can't be stopped and I love it so much. It's, it, it, <laughs> You know, that's the joy of college football. Just something completely unexpected. And just they absolutely hammered those teams. Yeah. Um, but like I was saying, Tyler Elsden, I think, will be the one first on the line <laughs> at Mike Linebacker. Um, I do kind of think that as the year goes on, the playing time will shift a bit more into Kobe King's favor. Um, if for no other reason than if Diaz really is able to unlock Jacobs to the degree that we think he can. I think the I think the value of having a more field general type guy in the middle while Jacobs is just kind of running all over the field going berserk maybe a little bit higher than having the more downhill guy like Elsden maybe not I mean maybe having both of them on there will just create ultimate chaos I don't know but um I wouldn't be surprised to see it tip a bit more in Kobe King's favor as the year goes on but yeah totally agree they're both both going to play both going to play a lot um and overall, I think this is going to be a really fascinating unit. I mean, it's this is a really, I think it's going to be a really good defense overall. And I think the fact that when probably the biggest question on the entire defense is the Mike linebacker position, I would wager, and the fact that they have two guys that seem to be really capable of filling the role effectively, that's a pretty good sign and should portend big things for this defense. Um, before we get out of here, any final thoughts on the linebackers? I mean, it's all going to come down to them just gaining experience, the young guys. Because like we said, there's going to be injuries. There's going to be situations that require um, people to step up. And it's the joy of college football, again, that you have guys coming in that have no experience. And all of a sudden, it the light turns on for them and they're ready to go and they make a difference. And you say, wow, that's a play that makes me get off my couch. And I'm excited to see which of these young guys you know, are the first that – for that to happen and that they all have it by the end of the season. So it's going to be a fun year to watch. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Um, thank you, Craig, for joining me tonight. I know it was kind of last minute to get you on here. Um, but I'm very glad that we finally got you back after your near six year absence from the podcast. And, um, you'll be hearing Craig's voice a lot more in the coming year than you have in the past. Um, as we really dive forward with, our whole podcast set up here and we've set lots of goals to be more efficient and more um, just better, just be a better podcast. We want to be, be awesome. a better podcast for you guys listening. Like that's, we, we want to do that. We're not writing anymore. So we have time to really dive into this thing. Um, but yeah, 
um, as always, thanks for listening, everyone, to Roar Lions Roar. Um, if you have a moment to do so, please make sure that you are subscribed on whatever podcast platform you see fit to use. Um, personally, I like Overcast and Spotify. I don't know about you guys. Um, but if you are on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please also take the time to leave a five-star review. Yes, you can do that on Spotify now. Um, and if you can leave us a five-star review and leave a comment, if you want to leave a question there, we will happily answer it on the podcast um, no matter when we see it. Doesn't matter. You can leave a question about why does the plant behind Nick's head seem like it's constantly in a current in a state of death and never recovering? I'll be happy to answer that question and more. Um, or why did why is Craig's you know photo so comically large of the stadium behind him? Why hasn't Huge. he moved back so you can see the whole thing? You know, there's a lot of questions you could have. Um, but if you could leave us a review, leave us a subscribe, leave us that five star review, it'd be much appreciated. Helps get us in the ears of more listeners, and that is always a good thing. And just in case you forgot, go ahead and visit Homefield Apparel. Use that code Roar Lions Roar, all one word, all caps at checkout for 15% off. And that will do it for our linebacker preview for myself, Nick Pollock, for Craig Fritz. Thanks for listening. Go State.